theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Praise God. Genesis 37 and 20. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon. Nightmare on my street. Nightmare on my street. Would you help me pray? Lord, we love you. We honor you. And we're so thankful for what you're doing in this place today. I pray that you would anoint me with the type of anointing that makes ministry effective, God. Help me to teach and preach your word with relevancy and more importantly with scriptural accuracy, God. Loose people in this place today, oh Lord God. I release the gift of faith in this house today. Turn somebody's mourning into dancing, God. You can do it and will you give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. If you believe it, clap your hands unto him. Praise God. You may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. I told you, and I'm getting ahead of myself already, but I'm passionate about this and I'm going to attack this with all that I have. Many of you know that I, coming, the Lord spoke to me and gave me very clear instructions. He didn't release me to preach anything outside of faith and love. Everybody say faith and love. Faith and love are the key. Can I tell you? We do everything by faith, and if we don't do it by faith, it is of sin. When I told you the disciples preached and the disciples taught and they raised the dead and they opened blinded eyes and unstopped deaf ears, they had no problem operating that or exercising their faith. But when they asked Jesus, how many times are we to forgive someone? They said, oh my God, you have to help us increase our faith. And it's very difficult when we have been wounded or we have been offended by somebody. And I believe that the Lord has sent me here specifically on assignment to loose some captives in this place today. I believe by the help of the Holy Ghost, God has been dealing with you and God will continue to deal with you. I feel so strongly about it that over the next few weeks, as God leads me, you are making a choice of life or death. You can either choose freedom or you can choose bondage. But I'm telling you, you need to be careful how you choose because God is here to rescue you, to pull you out of dysfunctional habits, to pull you out of the bondage of hatred and bitterness, of offense that it can do to us. And let's just be real, we are all vulnerable to it. We are all susceptible to it. But God, who is rich in his mercy and his love, which is perfect, cast out fear, is here this afternoon to help you. And if you're thankful for that, somebody clap your hands unto him. Praise God. I know, I know I'm on it. I know I'm on it because over the last couple of weeks, I've experienced more spiritual opposition than I have since I pastored here. So that lets me know. But you can tell the devil, and I'll just tell him right now, I'm not tucking my tail running anywhere. I'm standing in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got my feet planted in the work of Calvary, and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We will overcome and see victory. Praise God. Praise God. I'm already fired up. Got to calm down. 
Plato, Plato wrote a story called The Cave. And this story illustrates this. It holds the awful illusion. It articulates the awful illusion of being in bondage. In this story, he describes a community of people who are chained together in a dark cave. They're unable to leave. They are, uh, they're born, they live, and they die in this dark cave. Some of you may be familiar with the work and might have read it. One day, a man manages to escape, and when he exits the cave, he sees the world outside. Sunlight, trees, grass, a, a whole new reality that he could not have even imagined until that very moment. He returns to the cave to tell everybody about this wonderful world outside of the cave. There's, there's no chains that can bind them, Elder. There's no boundaries that can limit them. There's no perpetual darkness, Sarah, that threatens them. The man, though, surprisingly was ridiculed by the community. Some considered him insane. The community of cave dwellers actually killed the man because they could not tolerate the false hopes that he peddled. So the one who knew the truth dies, and the one who lived with an erroneous perception of reality continued to live within the confines of their illusion, all the while, while the reality of truth was beckoning them. See, to me, Plato's story shows us what Satan has done for thousands of years. He is the creator and sustainer of destructive illusions. False perceptions of reality. He crafted an illusion in paradise that once believed by Adam and Eve caused them to leave the garden. He is a master of destructive illusions. He leads people from the paths of righteousness into the wilderness. He glorifies detours and uproots people and they roll around like tumbleweed across the plains. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light see satan is the grand illusionist some of us need to be careful because if we don't realize it we can mistake in satan as an angel that's how powerful his illusions are and let me just push pause here for a moment and tell you this is one reason why you should never operate from your emotions I'm going to say that again. You never let your emotions lead you because more often than not, your emotions will lie to you. This is why you have to be planted firmly in the word and have discernment that can come from the word of God and you can know what truth is. But he goes on to say, Paul in Romans 7 and 11, he says, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. See, we can also be deceived, hear me, by ourselves. James said to avoid this, we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. In other words, if we're not doing, we're deceiving ourselves. And in this setting that I read to you today, it, 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 it documents for us a very popular biblical life. It's the life of Joseph. Joseph was Jacob's 11th son. He was despised by his older brothers because his father favored him and had set him apart with a coat of many colors. If you read and you kind of look at Joseph's story, he has two dreams, two notable dreams. And let me just push pause here for a moment and say both of those dreams that Joseph had were given to him by God. 
So Joseph has these dreams, and in these dreams, he begins to share them with his family. The first one, he saw bound sheaves in a field, and uh, in this, these, his sheaf stood up, arose over the others, and the other sheaves bowed down to him. In the second dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and 11 stars representing his siblings, and they too were bowing to him. And when he told his dreams to his brothers, needless to say, they didn't share in his enthusiasm. Frankly, the reality of it is, we know when I'm going to unpack it here in a moment, they hated Joseph all the more. So I want you to hear me. One day, Joseph's brothers went to uh, go feed his father, their father's flocks. And while they're in the field, Jacob, uh, their father, sends Joseph to see how they're doing. When the older brothers saw, when the older brothers see Joseph coming, they conspired against him saying, hey, here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. He's saying he's going to lead over us. Let him try to lead over us when he's dead. So what did they decide to do? They decided to take Joseph and throw him in a pit to die. They took off his mini coat of colors, if you will, and they stained it with animal's blood to convince their father that he had been devoured by a wild beast. After that, they throw him into a pit. However, these Ishmaelites come along the way on their way to Egypt and Judah says, hey, you know what? Let's not leave him there. Let's, let's make some profit off of it, if you will. Let's sell him as a slave. He'll be as good as dead and will never, ever bother us again. And we'll all share in the spoils. So you know what they did? They sold their brother for 20 shekels of silver. Joseph had offended them so much, they betrayed him, taking away his inheritance and taking away his family. Now, I need you to just keep in mind, these are his brothers who did this. The same father the same flesh and blood. Oh, God. I need you to understand the people in this room are not your enemy. I'm going to say it plain. You need to keep some people. Oh, my God. I might get in trouble, but it's all right. You need to keep some people's names out your mouth. If you don't have anything good to say, <laughs> Don't say it at all. But can you believe this? Listen, I, I sometimes, oh, I got to stop. Help me, Lord. What we often do sometimes, if we're not careful, we forget that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. You're fighting against principalities. You need to understand that there is an enemy. You do have an adversary, but it's not your brother or sister in this place. It is the devil. He is our adversary. And so what they do is they literally, I want you to understand, in biblical times, it was very important for a man to have sons. It was everything for him to have sons. It was not only his legacy, but he would pass down everything that he had amassed to his sons. And so a man's sons carried his name, and he inherited all that he had. So when Joseph's brothers kept him from ever receiving his father's name and inheritance, they literally blotted his name out, completely stripping him of his identity. Everything that was familiar to Joseph was now gone. 
And now he's sold into slavery. When a person is sold into slavery to another country, he remained a slave until he died. The woman he married would be a slave, and all the children he had would be slaves. Are you understanding the impact and the magnitude of what happened when they sold their brother into slavery when his destiny was an entirely something else? It would have been easier, Joseph is probably thinking to himself, why didn't they just kill me as opposed to doing what they're doing to me? But this is the point. What Joseph's brothers did, it was evil and cruel. Now, we understand that hindsight is always 2020. In other words, you see very clearly. Like yesterday, we see it clearly. We see what we shouldn't have done. We see what we should have done. We see what we man. I wish if I could do some things over, I would do it that way. Many of us here, probably only a few of us, may not know the outcome of Joseph's story. But for those that do, yes, we know it's inspiring. But that's not how Joseph experienced it. See, it looked as if he would never see his father again or his God-given dream. He was a slave in a foreign nation. He couldn't leave Egypt. He was the property of another man for life. As time goes on, Joseph's life, he found favor with the master, Potiphar. You all know the story. Potiphar treated him well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Potiphar wasn't worried about a thing. Whatever he had, he placed it into Joseph's care. But there was a problem. Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. Boy, she wanted him bad. Every day she would approach him and attempt to seduce him. And one day Joseph is just like, I got to run. I got to run because she's literally pulling at him. And she literally, when he runs, his coat ends up in her hands. And instead of simply relenting and saying, you know what? I need to mind my business and honor my husband and my marriage. You know what she does? She screams rape. And so... Joseph's master, who had entrusted everything to him, now decides to put him in prison. But he doesn't just put him in a prison. This isn't like a prison, and I'm not making light of the incarceration system in our nation, but there are no rec rooms in this prison. You're not getting like routine scheduled meals. If you study it, they literally, as a form of torture, just gave you enough nourishment to wish you were dead. There, there was no workout room here. There was no, oh, I get a phone call once a week. It was none of that. This man was in the pit of the prison. And just when he had some hope, just when he had some, oh, I think things are turning around. Just when, you know what? Maybe, maybe this nightmare is over. Guess what? It gets worse. He begins to find favor in the, in the prison and the prison, the keeper of the prison, trusts Joseph. But can you just imagine, can you just imagine for a moment what's going through Joseph's mind? I served my master with honesty. I served him with integrity. For over 10 years, I was remarkably faithful to his wife. I stayed loyal to God and my master daily, fleeing sexual immorality. And what's my reward? Prison. Joseph had had very limited freedom in his life, but he still had the right, I need you to hear me, to choose his response to all that happened to him. Would he become offended and bitter towards his brothers and eventually God? That 
is the question. It probably never crossed Joseph's mind until it was all over that God's process was preparing him to rule. See, how would Joseph use his future authority over his brothers who betrayed him? Joseph was learning obedience by what he suffered. At this time, he had not learned that authority is given to serve, not to set you apart. That's just a side note for all of those who have an ambition to be in leadership. As a matter of fact, I never had an ambition to be in leadership, but you do need to understand that leadership is simply service. As a matter of fact, the more you become involved in leadership, the less rights you have. And you need to develop thick skin, praise God, because people will talk about you. And leading by nature, you're out front. So guess what they're talking behind your back? Just saying. Praise God. A few leaders are like, yeah, I get it. I get it. See, here's the thing. Often in these training periods, we focus on the impossibility of our circumstances instead of the greatness of God. Whenever we take our focus off of Jesus, we will be discouraged and need to blame someone. So we look for the one who we feel is responsible for our despair. Can I tell you, now is not the time to look, get, look at man. Now is not the time to look at your siblings. Now is not the time to look at the people who wronged you. Now is not the time to look at your parents. Now is the time to set your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes, fix your face on him like a flint. Don't get caught up in the blame game. Here's the problem. I'm trying to help some of you all. And I know this isn't like, man, why are you preaching this on the first day when we come back live and simulcast? Because I'm telling you, God wants you to experience true freedom. I'm talking about true freedom where you are moving in the spirit with joy that is unfettered, joy that is not a high and a low and based on some emotion, something that is sustaining, something that is liberating. God wants us to have that. But the first thing we have to do is stop blaming everybody else. Here's what we do. If it weren't for my wife, I'd be in ministry. She's hindered me and ruined me so much of what I've dreamed for. If it weren't for my parents, I'd have a normal life. They're to blame for where I am today. How come, I, how come everybody else has to have normal parents and I don't? Or if my mom and dad didn't get divorced, I, I, I would have been much better off in my own marriage. If it weren't for my pastor repressing this gift in me, I'd be free and unhindered. He's kept me from fulfilling my destiny. If it weren't for my former husband, my kids and I wouldn't have all this financial trouble. If it weren't for that woman in the church, I'd still be in favor with so-and-so. With her gossip, she has destroyed me and any hope I've had of accomplishing what I felt like God laid on my heart. I could continue to go on and on and on. The fact of the matter is that it is easy to blame everybody else. It's easy to blame everybody else for the problems you have. And imagine how much better your life would be if it had not been for all those around you. Joseph's brothers tried hard to destroy the vision God gave him. They thought, hear me, I need you to hear me. They thought that they had ended it for Joseph. They said it out of their own mouths. If you read it, they say, come, therefore, now let us kill him and cast him into a pit. We'll see what shall become of his dreams. They were out to destroy him. It wasn't an accident. 
It, it was deliberate. They wanted no chance of him ever succeeding. Can I just tell you right now, there is absolutely no man, no woman, no child, no devil from hell that can ever get you out of the will of God. No one but God holds your destiny. I'm just going to burst your bubble right now. The only person who can get you out of the will of God is you. The only person, oh my God, I'm trying to, let me hurry up. You see, the prison, the prison was a time of sifting for Joseph, but it was also a time of opportunity. Whew. See, there were two prisoners with Joseph, and both had vivid and disturbing dreams. Joseph interpreted both of these dreams, the, the butler and the baker, and he says, basically, one of you are going to be restored, and the other, sorry, you're going to be dead. And, and you know what? Joseph's like, hey, but remember me. You, you, who's going to do well? Remember me. And Joseph's like, maybe this is it. And you know what? They forget about Joseph. Until a couple of years, something happens. You need to know God always has a plan. See, the time came when Pharaoh has this dream that troubles him, and nobody can answer this dream. Nobody can give him any insight. Nobody can give him any clarity. And so he decides, uh, the, the butler says, hey, you know what? Check it out. There was somebody. There was somebody that I met in prison who interpreted our dreams. Let's try him. And so Pharaoh calls him up immediately, and immediately Joseph interprets the dreams, and immediately Pharaoh promotes Joseph to the second in command. He says there is nobody other than Pharaoh that is greater than Joseph in all the land of Egypt. You need to realize what you're going through is bigger than you. It's bigger than than you and God is trying to write your character. He's trying to write your spirit. And if you'll humble yourself and not be offended by those, can I just tell you, Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name's sake. As a matter of fact, you need to be encouraged. You're not doing something right if people aren't talking about you. If people aren't talking about you and everything is great and everything is gravy, something is wrong. But the moment you get tapped into righteousness, the moment you begin to move the agenda forward for the kingdom of God, you better get ready because somebody's going to put their lips on your name. But don't let that deter you. Don't let that discourage you. Serve God with everything that you have. Continue to bless him. And let me put this in your back pocket. Not only bless him, but bless them. Bless them that curse you. Love them that curse you. Walk in the freedom that God has for you, and you will experience great joy. See, this is important because now here's the test of Joseph's metal. He had been through so much. You notice this. Now, Joseph, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because your brothers are looking to you. They've been searching. A famine hits the land, if you don't know. A famine hits the land, and Egypt is the only place that has grain to nourish this region, okay? People are coming from all other countries to obtain sustenance and to get connected, and here's what happens. They come, and you know what he could do? He could have thrown them in prison for life or tortured them or even killed them and not be blamed at all by Pharaoh or Egypt. His brothers, think about this, were of no concern to Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't even know about his brothers and could frankly probably care less. But Joseph ended up giving them grain 
for no charge. <laughs> In other words, he gave them life. <laughs> he could have gave them death, but instead he gave them life. See, you know what? And not only that, then they were given the best of the land of Egypt for their families. And they ate from the fat of the land. To sum it up, the best of all of the land of Egypt was given to them. Joseph ended up blessing those who had cursed him and did good to those who hated him. God, do you think God was surprised by any stretch that, oh, oh, look at what Joseph's brothers are doing to him. No, no, no. God knew what his brothers would do to him. As a matter of fact, the Lord knew what they were going to do before he gave Joseph the dream or before any of those boys were born. But go one step further. I want you to look at this real quick. I want you to think about this. Genesis 45 and 5, it says it like this. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Watch this. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So here, watch this. This is going to mess you all up. So now it was not you who sent me here. God have mercy. Jesus. Oh, my God. I need somebody to get this. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I, look, 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 look. I can show you again. The psalmist said it like this in the 105th Psalm, verse 16. Moreover, he, being God, called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of the bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Who sent Joseph? His brothers? <laughs> It was God who sent Joseph. Oh, my God. I'm trying to get you to understand there is no mortal man that can separate you from the will of God for your life. The very hell you think you're going through, the nightmare you think you're going through, God has led you to and is leading you through to do a work on your character so that you can handle what he wants to do in your life. But if you just sit down and pout and shut up and stop talking and stop loving and stop forgiving, you'll miss out on the will of God. But God is trying to perfect you. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. If you believe that, give God praise. Some of you have been blaming the wrong people. I'm telling you, the hand of God is on your life. You thought it was a nightmare. I'm telling you, God is setting you up to let the dream come to pass. Oh my God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel clarity. I feel clarity. I feel clarity. I feel clarity. Praise God. Praise God. If you lay hold of this truth that God is trying to put in your spirit, it will set you free. I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be uncomfortable for some of you. This is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm okay. I'm okay with being uncomfortable because the Lord told me, now that I know what I'm attacking, I said, Lord, how am I going to attack it? Something shifted in my spirit because stuff was after. He said, son, I have given you apostolic authority. 
I'm going to start calling this stuff out. I'm not just praying this stuff out. I'm telling you by the help of the Holy Ghost, this is going to be uprooted. But you need to hear me because this is going to position us for unprecedented revival. We're going to be able to love genuinely allowing the Spirit of God to flow through us without motive, without filter, without any humanity getting in the way, tainting it. God is positioning in this church for something great. And if you'll hear me, God has sent me on a mission to call you out of the cave. You didn't think church could be like this. You didn't think you could have a pastor that would love you, serve you, and honor you, and build you up. You didn't think you could come to church and be authentic to who you are. You thought you had to put on a pretense and play the religious games and check the religious stuff off. But I've come to call you out of that because that's bondage. I've come to call you into something that is life-giving, something that is free, something that is extraordinary. And if you're ready for that, you want to stand to your feet and give God praise because ordinary is gone. Extraordinary is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise. 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 praise. Oh. You may be seated. Our musicians are coming and we're landing this plane. See, God sends a deliverer, Moses, to lead the Egyptians out of bondage, to lead them into the promised land, elder. See, after a year in the desert, leaders were sent, Bella, to spy it out. And you know what they did? Check this out. Zach, this was crazy. They came back complaining, bro. Man. They were afraid of the nations in the land who were larger and stronger militarily speaking. All the people, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, agreed with these leaders. The people felt as if God had brought them out, Royanne, to die. You know what? Over this course of time, you know what happened with all those leaders who couldn't see it, who couldn't see the possibilities? I'm going to tell you. You need to hear me. I'm in the Holy Ghost. They were offended at Moses and offended at God. And their offense resulted in a generation never seeing the land of God, the land of their flow with milk and honey that God promised they would possess. Many of us have been serving the Lord fervently and come into difficult situations. It stinks when you kind of have, I can remember, it stinks, but you know what? People stink. Y'all acting like, did he just say that? People are not the most easiest to deal with. We're flawed, we're broken. We're angry, we're bitter, we're hurt, we're wounded, we're confused, we're betrayed, we're hypocritical, we're prideful, we're judgmental. We'll look you right in your face and then slice you the moment you turn your back on us. Tell you we love you and to go run and tell everybody your business. Look you right in the face and lie. People, people do this kind of stuff. 
And when people come to the church, they expect the church to be perfect. That's why it says no perfect people allowed. Because if you being perfect, <laughs> uh, if you join a church, if you find a perfect church, I should say it like this. Don't join it because you'll ruin it. The truth is, we find out that Christians can oftentimes be wicked. Or maybe they're not wicked, but they're carnal. See, we mess up when we think carnal. We think, man, they just must be wilding out, living a gross life of hypocrisy. Carnal just means, no, you don't have a spiritual mind. That's why Paul said, you who are spiritual, restore one another with the spirit of meekness. You know somebody's spiritual when they're gentle. You ever met somebody that just runs you, push you off a little bit? they just so aggressive. They're not gentle. That's like a number one sign. Oh, not spiritual. <laughs> but you who are spiritual, restore one another in a spirit of meekness. And let me tell you why he says this. He said, because spiritual people will consider themselves. Oh, What? You mean to tell me spiritual people aren't worried about everybody else's business? They're more worried about themselves. They'll consider themselves and say, oh God, that could be me. So let me humble myself and pray. Thank you for not allowing me to fall into that. Let me pray with my brother or sister because that could have been me. That's what spiritual people do. We must remember that nothing can come against us without the Lord's allowing it to happen. And if he allowed it to happen, I want this to encourage you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Watch this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Watch this. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way. The way of escape that you may be able to bear it. <laughs> Not a way of escape. The way of escape. God has already seen everything that you are facing. And what I'm trying to tell you to do today is resist the devil. He will flee from you. Submit to God. Don't become offended. Resist the devil. Don't become offended. Resist the devil. Don't become offended. The dream or vision that God has given you will probably happen differently than how you think it will. But you need to know his word and his promises will not fail. I want us all to stand. No good dream goes unchallenged. Joseph dealt in dreams. He dreamed of the sheaves of grain bowing down to him. He dreamed of the stars bowing down to him. He interpreted the butler's dream. He interpreted the two dreams of Pharaoh. He interpreted the baker's dream. All of these dreams pointed to a single overriding dream, sparing God's people from famine. And Joseph fought for his dream. He fought for his brother's jealousy. He fought a wicked woman's lies. He fought the internal sense of loneliness and rejection and isolation. He fought his own desire for vengeance and explanation. His dream was challenged. 
can I tell you, no soldier goes untested. Thank you for talking about that earlier this week, Elder. No believer goes untried. No saint of God will get to heaven untempted. The enemy will challenge your dreams and make you think it's a nightmare. But you need to know that God is with you. The day you dream of being a prayer warrior and your life begins to show proof, get ready. Get ready. Because your dream will turn into a nightmare. The day you dust off that, whole, that Bible study. Oh boy, here we go. I'm going to teach me a Bible study. You know what? Get ready. Because your dream is about to be challenged. The day you say, I'm going to help somebody ordinary, experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a soul winner. Get ready because your dream is about to be challenged. The day you say, enemy, I'm believing God for my husband's salvation. Get ready. Your dream is about to be challenged. Nothing worth having goes unchallenged. Yeah, I know grace is free, but it costs us a lot to walk in it. I know the spirit baptism is free, but to live in the spirit will cost you a lot. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.